Under the Helmet. You'll do your thing, all right? Don't be nervous, okay? The show that looks at long-term player value in fantasy football. It's the moment right here. We're going to have to decide what, what type of team we want to be. Building Dynasties each and every week. I don't even know your name. What's your name? Chad Parsons. I'm telling you, man, you're leading the league in hydration. I got a Dynasty team reaping rewards for the next decade. Katie Flower. You may beat me, but you will not outwork me. Tim Torch. There's only one winner, Chad. Find their written and premium audio content at uthdynasty.com. Playing it safe in Dynasty means you're going to lose. Stop talking about it, man. Let's get this going right now. Welcome to the Helmet, looking at some long-term player value in fantasy football. Got Katie Flower here. I am Chad Parsons talking playoff time, playoffs for our Dynasty teams, the three-week run-up that... It's it's almost like March Madness, where any moment your season could be over. You know, it's been this journey for, frankly, since we last finished last season. But even since September, three four months sprint here. But week fifteen could end it all with a loss uh, in your leagues. You could have a bye. But as we know, uh, the number one seed goes out all the time in that first game, where a highly successful season turns into an early out. So we're going to be talking about some playoff strategy for you, the Dynasty owner and GM. want to remind you, premium podcast, trade calculator, rankings, all that good stuff. We're going to get to actually a little preview at the end of the show here for the 2023 NFL draft cycle, which is starting in about another month. Already getting some declarations, some guys not playing in the bowl games. We can give you a couple of tidbits we find interesting heading into the class as well. So you're going to want to be on board for that at UTHDynasty.com. And Katie, we are here. Our teams that are together, our team solo, uh, co-owning with other people. Here we are. Playoffs start this week. So let's just pack, pass back and forth. We do this annually, talking about some of our process, some of the things to think about, keep in mind as we try to keep it simple. But also we want to make sure we're covering our bases here as we go to critical lineups, critical waiver wires in the closing weeks. Yeah, there's so much to say. Uh, but the first one that, I mean, this one sounds like uh, something that could be easily overlooked. So I don't want anybody to do it. Even if you have a buy, set your lineup. Because number one, you want to stay in those good habits of doing so. Number two, if you're going to second guess yourself, this is the week to do it. But try not to second guess yourself anyway, no matter what. Uh, but the other reason why is just in case the commissioner, for some reason, maybe he screwed up the bracket or maybe something happens. If you don't set your lineup and something happens, it would be horrible uh, if you ended up losing just because of that. And I've seen strange things through the years, Chad. So uh, it's easy enough to set a lineup. Just go ahead and do it, even if you've got to buy. Yeah, and frankly, the mistake should almost be, hey, I'm out of it. There's no toilet bowl, and you still set a lineup, and you're like, eh, I don't know. I'm just in the the habit, the creature of habit. I'm in the process here of doing that. Um, yeah, I think that's a good one. And I actually, that was one of the first things I wrote, which is continue the same lineup process. So whatever that is to you, you know, we're not the type that bash you over the head and say, well, that means you do it 90 minutes before kickoff on Thursday. And then you do this research for the rest of the players and you do this on Sunday or whatever, whatever your process has been for years or a few weeks, months, whatever that is, whatever you did week 11, do it here week 15, because Again, I think a lot of people, um, you know, they they second guess themselves to death 
you know, because one of my other things is just going back and forth and looking at things that you never looked at for the whole season. So whatever that process is, some people might go, hey, well, you know, most of my lineup spots are, are declared. These other ones, I'm going to look at the matchups and see who's injured. Oh, this defensive back is out. Okay. If that's your process, then do that this week as you did it previously. But I think a lot of people, and that's what made the, the show The League so funny because there'd be a critical game, you know, you're playing uh, an arch rival or you're playing for the championship and all of a sudden you do things differently. And sure enough, you almost uh, sabotage yourself. So I think that same process of, okay, do you, do you set it before Sunday? Do you not really look until Sunday and then just clean through, you know, spend a minute or two, don't give it too much thought and it's pretty streamlined, or maybe you do a lot of research, but do whatever you've been doing is my, my biggest thing. Yeah, those are all good points, and I had those on my list as well. Uh, but part of the overthinking it, I think, that happens is maybe you didn't make the playoffs in half your leagues, or and not everybody plays in 34 leagues like I do or however many that you've got, Chad. But the, the point is, if you had your hands busy with many leagues, now you may have only a few where you've got the playoffs. And so you tend to overtinker, overthinker, and all those good things. So just try to avoid that. One of the things that I do make sure to do during the regular season, but also during the playoffs, and again, like Chad said, just continue to be consistent with the way that you've been doing it. But you may want to think about if you haven't been doing it, just if if there's a tie between two players, start the earlier guy that may be less questionable or who has the early game. Because it could be if you've got someone in the later game and they happen to tweak a muscle during warmups and then they're out, now you may not have a, a better option. So if if I do have two guys and a pivot at the last minute at the three o'clock game, then I'm fine with waiting on my guy. But if there's a tie between two equally good players and I would go with the earlier matchup, whoever that is. Yeah. You've said this a few times over the years. And and frankly, I think it's one of the best ones that I've, I've implemented quite a bit of, you know, we can lament Thursday night football. And I know those go away pretty soon uh, in terms of the NFL schedule, but the earlier confidence, like I just don't, this whole game time decision thing and like I'll read the tea leaves and everything, but when you actually pass the early kickoff, if that's coming up, we have Saturday games. So that's another thing to consider that the more information you have and sometimes leading up to kickoff is the time you have it. It's the unknown. It's the wild west out there for Monday night football. Sunday night to me is one of the worst. And you can say, well, I like to have the trump card. You know, I like to have the player playing at the end. Like I know I need 16 points from this guy. That's all well and good. But like, I'll tell you, it worked out great, that Josh Jacobs situation where he scored 50 or whatever. But with, after the fact, I didn't give it too much thought. It was like, oh, he's going to be active. When I went back and read about what happened, about how, you know, like there was a lot of, uh, of up and down in terms of like right before kickoff, I wasn't tracking any of that. So it turned out great you know, just put Josh Jacobs in, but it shows you the risk and fragility of just, oh, what if he, he felt a little something, something, and all of a sudden he's out. That tilts how many games for you. And that scenario happens a lot. So I really need to have a comfortable pivot. And if it's someone like, oh, I got to pick somebody up and drop someone I don't want to. And that's the scenario to hold off on this one singular player that I have no counters for. 
you have got to really play it safe. Because you've said before, Katie, I mean, just having 9, 10, 11, how many guys you start, viable options where you reduce the risk of this week over week, month over month, year over year, it's amazing. It adds wins to your to your your ledger because the number of times you look across the the matchup and you just see, I can't believe they left that guy in there. It looks like they checked their roster on Thursday and that's the last time they looked. This is a critical game for me or for us, you know, for 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 the collective league. And yet that might be the moment they got a little busy. They didn't check on Saturday and now they got a guy that's iffy and they don't really have a pivot. So that that is a huge one for me. And I just want to say one more thing on the tinkering your roster to death and overthinking it. I just pulled up a random a random league. But if you look up at MFL, the column of coulda won and woulda lost, this is basically like the tinker to death. Some teams, there's one team in this league, they could have won seven times. They're seven and seven. They had the potential to be 14 and 0. Talk about a screw job mentally. They're seven and seven, and I don't even know if they made the playoffs. They might have been the last spot. Maybe they missed it. And then you look at these other teams, four, five, six times could have lost. It's high variance, this whole lineup thing, getting the perfect lineup. I'm going to get every single point into my lineup. So just know you're walking into an imperfect universe that you cannot possibly get right. This is like winning a DFS contest. It is rare. You might do it every once in a while, but just don't hold yourself to the standard of, I have to get this right. You build your roster so that even your imperfect lineup can win and consistently do better than your peers who, again, look across the line. They're trying to do the same exact thing solve the puzzle. And frankly, there's so many variables going into Sunday. It is very difficult to solve that puzzle. Well said. Uh, Another one, if you're playing in a best ball league, a lot of times you just don't even look at your roster because it's mid-season, you're busy, it's best ball, you don't have to worry about it. But before the playoffs start, please, please, please check IR, make sure that you don't have somebody that's now active that you can put back in your active lineup. Their points aren't going to do you any good if they're on IR. Secondly, check your taxi squad. There may be somebody you can elevate. Check your active roster. Do you have some free agents, guys that you had as just, you know, a backup, backup running back, and now they don't have a team? Drop them and fill with any player that has a pulse. So just tweak and look at your roster because it's best ball and you never know what guy is going to help you or come come up strong. Yeah, I can't tell you how many times. I was in this one league that it was 1.5 for, for tight end and it was best ball. And I picked up every week seemingly just live bodies at tight end because it's such a high variance position. And I would get guys in my flex all the time that were scoring 10, 15, 20 points just because I had that guy that was going to see 50, 60% of the snaps and he was out of position that mattered. And I found a way, a loophole basically of people left that on the waiver wire. And you, like you said, the live body is, you know, maybe you're holding some backup quarterbacks if it's super flex and things like that, but you got to get active, healthy, vibrant players, you know, top three, four guys on a wide receiver depth chart, you know, starting tight ends, just get those onto your team because one, two of them get in your lineup and that can be the difference. Um, I'm going to say, remember when is your next most meaningful game? And this is, a, this is a, because too many times 
I see people trying to stack together like puzzle pieces. Okay, well, I have this kicker for week 15, but man, look at this matchup in week 17. And I got three defenses on my team. I am, I've got this whole plan. The recipe is there. Title is mine. And I'm like, what do you think is going to happen? Like you, you're, you're 55, 45, 60, 40 to win your matchup this week. And you're thinking about week 17. So this meaningful matchup, try to like, you need to think week 15 and worry about week 16 when you get there, worry about week 17 when you get there. And that doesn't mean you have nobody like an injury away option that could benefit you in a future week. But what it means is I see people worrying way too much about so many variables because guess what? That kicker could get hurt, could yank something in warmups or, you know, they slip and, and miss an extra point. All of a sudden they're out the rest of the game, not to mention future weeks. And then you just, and the defensive matchup that you think is great might not be great anymore. They might have three injuries by then. So just think about, and, and that applies to teams that are out of it. When's your next most meaningful game? It could be week one next year. So keep all that in context for making these final decisions before the offseason hits. Of all the chatisms, that's one of my favorite. Um, I love that. Uh, good stuff. Um, I just lost my train of thought, though, on what I was going to say next. But basically, it, I don't have any more real strategy points, just... This is the time of year. It's no different from earlier in the year. Yes, your championship and money and, and things like that are on the line, but don't sweat it. Fantasy football at the end of the day is still a bounce here, a kick there, and there is luck involved. Don't beat yourself up. Set it and forget it. Don't over tinker and just have fun. It's a fun way to just enjoy football. Yeah. Um, one thing is, uh, if you have a close decision, and frankly, I think people overstate how many they have, you might have, if you have three rosters that you're setting, you might have two or three actual decisions to make. You don't have that many. And that's independent of, oh, do I want to pick up a kicker? Do I want to, uh, you know, do I, do I want to stream something? But in terms of your actual players, you might be have, ah, these two quarterbacks are close um, or your last wide receiver. I would chase the ceiling. You know, a lot of people think floor and and what's going to uh, most of these matchups are not overly close. It's a pretty big margin of victory. So it's going to be about the big scores, not so much the you know, this guy put up a 7, the other guy on the other side put up an 11. That's not really what we're talking about. So if that means you have the option between two running backs, how about you take the guy that gets goal line looks and is going to be involved in the passing game. You know, at wide receiver, do you have someone attached to a big time offense? where you could see him score a multi-touchdown game, a long touchdown. So in case of a close decision, and there's not many, go towards that ceiling. Who's the guy that has the profile that could score big, that can put up 20-plus points? Change your game, change your matchup. One other thing I would say is you've gotten this far, spend your freaking waiver dollars. So I don't care if it's... So who is your guy? And here's what I'll say. This week right here for week 15 might be the last time that you are using the waiver wire when it matters at all. So if you have half your budget left, okay, I'm not telling you that's right or wrong, but spend the freaking money because if that stashes for next year, I'm not going to argue with you. If you want to freaking make sure you get uh, Ronald Jones, if you think 
you know, Pierre Strong is going to be the the next great thing, whether it's, you know, this week or next year or whatever it is. Spend the freaking money because you can't take it with you. 90% of the leagues that I know, you don't roll over anything and and you especially don't roll over the waiver wire. So spend the money on whatever you deem fit. If you are a hyper strong team, you got no cuts, but there's one defense out there and you're like, I want to start him this week. Spend more than you think you should because by next week, they they almost go bad. They curdle like milk. Like, like once you get eliminated from the playoffs, the guys you're going to go after are probably cheap. You want to pick up Ken A. Wangwu next week? Eh, you're probably going to spend 1%. You know, it's not going to be a big deal. Um, and then the last thing I'll say, move on to your 2023 stashes at the first opportunity. Don't get down the dumps if you narrowly missed the playoffs last week. So you got eliminated, you finished at 6 and 8 or 7 and 7, you're the number 7 or number 8 finisher, you're out. You're out. There's no toilet bowl. But don't sit in the dumps. Move on and say, what roster spots can I churn out and what players and start scouting profiles of all the guys that you said don't really fit for this year, but they might fit for the offseason and they might fit for next year. So the first opportunity you get, because you know what? Half your league is going to probably be going in that direction this week. So you have competition if people are thinking like you. So get out there, spend that money and get your 2023 stashes that you think have a chip, a chair and a chance of elevating and being relevant for you for your next most meaningful game, which is week one, 2023. All right, Katie. Oh, oh, and one other thing I wanted to say, and I don't know if I've ever mentioned this on one of these types of shows, but I think in some of these leagues, you need to write down your thoughts about the formats, the commissioners, league mates, while they're still fresh in your mind. Because I think it's easy. And I've done this, I think three years ago, I actually shed a few leagues. And it was... Uh, a refreshing experience because it's the type of thing that certain leagues, certain commissions, certain setups, vibes in leagues or whatever can grind on you in October and November. And then we get Alzheimer's. We get to January. It fades away a little bit. We get to February. We get to rookie draft time. We're like, yay, I get to draft. And then you forget all about this and it comes rushing back during rookie draft time during the summer, when the season starts again, and you're like, all this crap that I don't want to deal with. And frankly, it might not be a good fit for a league. I think we do a show every year talking about when is it okay, what kind of things to leave a league. And I think make a few notes now, because I'm not telling you December 17th is the time to, to, to write the commissioner and say, I'm out of this stupid league. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying you make some notes so that in February or March or whenever it's time to renew your faith in a league, you at least know this stuff. You remember it. You don't get those Alzheimer moments of, oh, everything's fine. You know, it's the it's the the dog smiling with everything burning around him on tw- you know on Twitter. Like you just make sure you remember that. And there might be rules you want to suggest. Write these things down. It doesn't have to be you sharing it with the world, but just write it down somewhere so that in the future weeks and months, in the offseason, when applicable, you can address these things with yourself with the league, with the commissioner, an email, a DM, whatever the methodology is. And maybe it is a league that you end up leaving. But make sure you log it personally when it's fresh in your mind, when these things are occurring, so that you can remember some of the details you certainly months from now will forget. All right, Katie, 2023 draft. It's getting it's exciting. Coming. Well, we're seeing yeah. you know, every day this transfer portal. You know, We're hearing that. But also declarations for the NFL draft 
And frankly, I think 2023, we got a fun one on our hands. So I'm pretty excited Absolutely. about it. Yeah, um, I'm excited as well. So, so we'll talk about it plenty. Obviously, we've got months and months. And January is kind of the month we kind of put together early kind of storyboards as things are still really fresh. But we want to give a little teaser. So we're going into 2023 here. And for folks, especially if you're out of the playoff race, frankly, you're already looking ahead to the draft and free agency and all that kind of stuff already. So give us give us a little thought, a little tidbit that's swirling around for you in terms of players, positions, storylines for 2023. Yeah, I think that uh, I've said it, I don't know if not nine times, 10 times out of 10, but the strength of any rookie draft class that you need to look forward to is in super flex quarterback, but also running back. And I think this class is going to be strong at the running back position. I've been saying it for years and it hasn't disappointed. You've got a stud at the top with Bijan Robinson out of Texas. He's a big, strong, fast, powerful guy, and he can catch. Then you've got a, a more shifty guy in Jameer Gibbs, but he, with his transfer to Alabama, didn't slow him down any. He's been the prime time, everything that you hope that he would be. And then there's a whole bunch of other guys that are going to be right behind him, whether you like the pass catching change of pace type guy, or you like the the big guy that could potentially be a bell cow. There's plenty of depth at this position. It's going to be interesting to see since the position isn't as valued at the NFL level. They still need them. There's a lot of them. When are they going to start going off the board and in what order and, and which teams that need running backs are going to get the guy that they need. Yeah, running back is the backbone, and it looks like a deep class. Obviously, we have to get all the way to who declared, who went back. We always have a surprise or two that we weren't expecting. Uh, and and what's interesting, uh, let, let's talk about this year, Zonovan Knight, right? A guy that, uh, man, early declaration, quizzical, plummeted in the draft, but he was 21 years old. There was some potential there, and sure enough, it takes him three months, and here he is with a relevant role on an NFL depth chart that had Brees Hall you know, life and things change with an injury, Michael Carter, and even, even Ty Johnson and Zonovan Knight is the one getting the most touches, you know, on a, on a weekly basis now. And that's just, you know, one thing I remember, but that was one of those quizzical, Oh, he declared like, how's that looking? You know, like it wasn't, you know, he probably didn't get a top hundred grade or anything like that. So uh, we see those situations uh, in a positive way. And then also we see guys maybe go, go all the way undrafted that, uh, you know, they declare that way. I have two uh, talking points that I think are going to be pivotal discussions, whether you're a dynasty analyst, whether you do an NFL draft guide, or if you're a fan of an NFL team that may be interested in the quarterback position. I think the two most interesting players or unique prospects, I will say, the first one is Bryce Young. You're going to hear this six ways from Sunday on every single media platform possible over the next four or five months. The thing that gets me is always when you have a rare combination of of uh, facilities. We have Bryce Young, Alabama, you know, blue blue blood, not blue, red blood program here, and we're talking about a high level producer. He has proven his worth as a passer at the collegiate level. Here's the interesting part: we do not see quarterbacks of this size come into the NFL. Basically, period. The last guy that was under 200 pounds. And Bryce Young is going to be under 200 pounds. This guy is tiny. 
That doesn't mean he can't play. It just means he's tiny and we haven't really seen this. The last guy that I looked up that was in the first, that was in the top 32, because I actually think back in 2003, I wonder if it was still a 30, 30 players picked in the first round instead of 32. Seneca Wallace, the last guy under 200 pounds to be drafted even remotely close to where Bryce Young is probably going to go is Seneca. We do not have any data points for this. So please, if you hear people out there comping Bryce Young, just stop listening. There isn't one. This There is no comp for what Bryce Young is going to bring as a prospect and a profile. It, so he's here's the thing. He's small and he's not a huge runner. His profile does not scream Kyler Murray. So this is going to be very, very interesting. Again, notice how I'm not saying I love Bryce Young, I hate Bryce Young, because I don't think that's what it's about. I'm just highlighting going into this draft class, the uniqueness of Bryce Young on his profile, his size, and the fact that he comes from the school he does, that he was highly accomplished as a passer, makes for a fascinating discussion and valuation for him in the coming months. I have one other one, but but Katie, Bryce Young going into the process here. Yeah, no, I don't disagree with you. And I do think that that will be the difference maker for him. And the big conversation is the size. I've had him in a Debbie Superflex. I've traded him away, got maximum value because he's still in college and top of his game. Um, but I'm bowing out before the draft. I'm going to take my chances and wait. He can prove me wrong, and that's great. Come on in, do it, and three, four years from now, I'll buy you back. I'll pay the price, but I would rather know what I've got rather than buy at a high price. And that's he's going to go at a high price. He's going to go at a high price. That's one thing you've said over and over again, which is this concept. And I think a lot of people, whether you play Debbie or not, they have this idea you draft someone at 18, 19 years old, you hold them for years on end, and then they enter the NFL and you put them eventually in your dynasty lineup. And that's the journey of drafting a Devi player. But we've outlined quite a bit that there's so many different opportunities to mitigate risk. They could be a still college player that's peaking to the moon with production you mentioned, I mean, you got to this point or, you know, in the last 12 months or so with Bryce, uh, Bryce Young, and he's projected to be, you know, a potential 101 pick, a, a high first round pick. And if someone values him like a can't miss quarterback prospect, that seems like a pretty good uh, or possible exit opportunity. So people a lot and, and Katie, our leagues together, we trade plenty of Debbie players away. And, and so th- their assets that are available to be traded uh, at any juncture during their, their career, college right. or pro. And I just, and, I think people forget that, that like you have to hold them all the way until week one of their rookie or second season or whatever. And you plug them into your, their lineup. And it's like, that made the five years worth it. Like there, it's a long road to get there. And frankly, a lot of players don't get there. Right. And I want to say something about something that you mentioned, which is doesn't mean that I hate, doesn't mean that I don't like, doesn't mean that I love. Uh, Players are assets. And when you trade a player away, it doesn't mean that you hate them. It doesn't mean that you love them just because you're buying them either. You might might buy them back too. See, that's what you just said. Exactly. And if I say something about a player... I'm thinking about it from a strategic standpoint. What are the odds that this player will get there? It doesn't mean that I hate the player. 
I just know how tough that battle is to get to where they need to get to. And I'm being realistic. It doesn't mean I'm a hater. So uh, that's what Chad and I do. We try to project and fill you in on the information that you need to make the best judgment about these players. It doesn't mean we're always going to be right. It doesn't mean we're always going to be wrong. And it doesn't, you know, it, it just take it for what it is. And it's it's two things. Because a lot of times when you talk about players, we're coming from the vantage point of cost. Because we've said it a billion times, you can you can love a, a wide receiver, but if you say they're wide receiver five in Dynasty, you're like, whoa, I'm out. But then if you say they're wide receiver 25, whoa, I'm way in. So it's a huge, you know, and, and like I keep going back to one glaring one, which was Latavius Murray. When he was with the Raiders and he was the starting running back, I hated him. I hated the cost. I hated the valuation he had. He morphs into a backup. Uh, was, was the Vikings the first backup job he had? Where was the primary backup? I can't remember the first stop. So, yeah. He said two or three. He said two or three stops. But yeah. the point is, he goes to backup land, and I love him. Why? Because he has a profile of a former starter, and now he's a fraction of, of the price he was when he was the starter with the Raiders. So that's, again, same player, but different time periods, different valuations, and all of a sudden, a different viewpoint. So a lot of times when people say they don't like somebody or they really like somebody, built and baked into that is the cost or the market perception on a player or prospect. The last quarterback I want to mention, which a different vein, completely different player than Bryce Young on so many versions, but in the same class, which is going to make this a fun quarterback class. And that's Anthony Richardson. So again, I'm not going to sit here and and peacock and say, I love him or I hate him. But what makes him fascinating is if you look at quarterbacks that are big, I'm going to say 220 plus. That, that's when I my first search was, but he's 230 plus. This guy is big. And when you say he has the athleticism to average with sacks included in college over six yards per carry, that's a mammoth rare figure and combination, the size and the rushing. Th- these are things achieved by guys like Vince Young, Colin Kaepernick, Marcus Mariota, Trey Lance. And I'm, I just read you a list that you can say all those were busts and I hate all those players. That's fine. But you can also say that they all had oozing NFL translatable rushing upside that makes the threshold they have to achieve passing wise not super high to be viable. So Anthony Richardson is one of the bigger variance plays for NFL, for Dynasty. So again, don't have to be in on him, don't have to be out. But the fact that Bryce Young is a unique unicorn prospect, he's in the class. Anthony Richardson declared, could he use some more seasoning? Of course, who couldn't? But the fact that he's 230-something and he's going to test well and he's so high in terms of the rushing upside potential makes him fascinating because if he busts, I'm sure that oozing upside is going to be costly in Dynasty. He's not going to be one that you just sit and you can get him at 205 in your rookie in your super flex rookie draft. So you're going to have to step up and take him with a meaningful selection and I think that makes for a fat cuz there's other quarterbacks in the draft too. People are going to probably question the upside of CJ Stroud, Stroud for example. Well, Richardson, we know there's big upside, 
but is there enough percentage chance that he actually hits or can can be worth assault as a passer in the NFL to make all that rushing stuff worth it? We still have that question about Trey Lance. How many years in are we with Trey Lance? That's injury related and that's Jimmy Garoppolo. You know, there's a lot of factors that go into that. But Anthony Richardson, again, I just read off some of the names that have gone pretty highly. I'm sure Richardson, I'd be surprised if he didn't go in the first 15 picks of the draft, just offhand, just because he's toolsy. Toolsy, you know, big arm and and rare, rare profile probably means he goes relatively high. So again, I think you put those two quarterbacks in this class, and all of a sudden, I mean, you got popcorn discussions until we get all the way until being drafted. And frankly, the discussion just starts at that point in time because now we got to draft them. Yeah, he definitely has all that upside. I uh, just want to point to two examples recently where the quarterback can be, it's it's as much as what's between the ears as it is any other thing as far as how far they're going to go. And that's the big question mark that we have with these rookies coming in. But Baker Mayfield learning a whole new offense in 48 hours, going out, winning the game, and then looking at Brock Purdy, who was a third, you know, rookie, uh, you know, he's got Garoppolo and then uh, Trey Lance, everybody ahead of him, he comes in and fantasy-wise, he put up more points than Patrick Mahomes this week. Yeah, and, well, and talking about Brock Purdy, I mean, a guy that coming out of Ohio, of Iowa State that he just had a lot of playing time. You know, I, I think uh, Bill Parcells and others talk about just getting the reps, we're talking about a guy that threw over 80 touchdown passes in college, which, you know, not on a high flying offense where they throw 50 in a year. So with Brock Purdy, I mean, just a, a grinder profile that you say within a system, is it conducive? Yes. But, um, but yeah, great point outs there on, it's not always a straight, straight journey. Breaker Mayfield discussed it a lot in the football guys dynasty show this week of just, you know, sticking with players, sticking with players that, uh, that have pedigree. And until they're completely off the radar, assume that they're on the radar. And Baker Mayfield is the most recent example of sticking with it. Uh, final thoughts, Katie, before I do a little best ball contest update here uh, as we go into week 15. I just, my prayers and condolences for the loss of Mike Leach, coach, uh, Mississippi State. Unique guy, you know, played against him a lot in the SEC. So I've seen him a lot. Very passionate guy and just, Prayers, prayers up. Absolutely. Uh, for the UTH Best Ball Contest, powered by My Fantasy League, winner uh, this past week and close one, Drago. Drago getting it done. Uh, Russell Wilson, one of his better games, three touchdowns. And Christian McCaffrey, he's one of the few guys in the contest that paid up for Christian McCaffrey in the contest and uh, got a 50-burger out of our boy Evan Ingram. Uh, got to give him a shout-out. I mean, he was doing everything that toolsy wise we thought he could put together with the giants and he put it all into one game yards after the catch uncheckable wide receiver like ability and in the best ball it was perfect <laughs> as evan ingram put up a 50 burger i would imagine almost all the top scores this week had evan ingram um on their their roster because he was affordable in the contest and frankly up and down journey uh drago also had david njoku uh dalton schultz it was a real tight end centric lineup for him this week, dominating, getting the perfect storm there. So taking it down. Congratulations, Drago in week 15. And our final update 
for the overall results here entering the the closing stretch here. We've got Joe Baird up at the top, Mike and Max rounding out the top three. And uh, Katie, I know you had a good week uh, and you are up uh, as well as Jordan up into the top uh, 15 or so eyeballing it. So you guys are rising up. You're our best chance as uh, Tim and I fade off. I'm a little bit behind there, but, uh, but yeah, good luck to everyone finishing out this got some prizes at the end of the season as always. And just a little tiny way of us to do a little team building exercise in the, in the months of August and early September and uh, give back some prizes to some of the biggest super fans in the UTH uh, subscriber database there. Uh, so Katie flower between episodes, just giving you a wedding, your appetite for the 2023 NFL draft cycle and you got more questions, got some Debbie thoughts. Uh, you want to, you want to call up the diva of Debbie there, uh, at FF, FF underscore Skylar three ninety nine. I am at Chad Parsons NFL reminder about all the content at uthdynasty.com finishing out with some waiver content. But what you're going to see is a lot of career arc profiles, a lot of turning the page over the next two, three weeks for specific players looking at their arc, looking at their profile analysis, and that drives the player values at UTH for rankings and the trade calculator as I refresh the whole population to 2023. It's a big undertaking. That's the back half of December and the early part of January, and we get going with the draft as well. But just know that you're going to get a lot of the backstory of the why. I think that's always what people want to hear. You know, if you move a wide receiver from you know, wide receiver 20 to wide receiver 35. Well, why, you know, why is he moving down? Why are you skeptical on his profile and, you know, teach a man to fish versus just giving him a fish, you know, is part of it of let's, let's build this out together so that we're all on the same page. So, um, that that's some of the key audio and written content you're going to get over the next few weeks. We set the table for the off season, whether you got trading or startup drafts coming up. So you can sign up as a general manager plus subscriber. You're going to get things like mock drafts. You're going to get a lot of prospect profiles. We're going to turn that fire hose on when we get to January, but we got to finish this season. We got to dominate, finish strong, take down as many leagues and titles and championships as possible here in 2022. So for Katie Flower, myself, Chad Parsons, until next time, never settle, refuse to be average and keep building those 